Hi, this is James Altucher. Thank you for listening to Eric Cabral's Entrepreneur Circle. On this episode. Through schooling, we're always told, like, reach your potential. And then athletics usually happen at the same time. So we have coaches, we have teachers, we have parents who are helping mold us. And as adults, we don't actively do that. But having those those coaches and helping elicit your potential, who's doing that for us? Hey there, folks. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneur Circle podcast, where we inspire you by talking to entrepreneurs and business owners about mindset, goals, vision, tips and strategies on how to crush life and business. I am your host, Eric Cabral, real estate investor and a creative. I've been in the creative industry for over 20 years, got my start in New York City as a junior art director and made my way up the corporate ladder to become the creative director at the number one pharma company in the world. That was until I decided to hang up my corporate hat and start my own creative agency called On Air Brands, where we broadcast your brand and your message using social media and live stream events. Hit us up at info at onairbrands.com to learn more. Also, like, subscribe, and share this podcast on social. We greatly appreciate you for it. And also, don't hesitate to send us any feedback that you may have because we always love, love, love hearing from you. Before we jump into the show, I'd like to share what some of our sponsors, partners, and friends of the show have to offer you. Hello, this is Josh McCown, CEO of Viva May Hospitality and the beautiful Renault Resort Winery. I have to tell you, the secret's out, and the secret is On Air Brands. On Air Brands Creative Agency, which specializes in launching podcasts, transforming live events into live streaming events, and social media marketing soup to nuts. On Air Brands has changed the game. There'll never be a day from here forward when you and I and our companies don't need to be on the air. Every brand needs to be on the air, but so few know that. So it's great to work with a group that are ahead of the curve and to find a company that has been built on the core foundation of the future of marketing. If you're ready to broadcast your brand like they've done for my brands, take the next step and make a change that can transform your business, reach out to On Air Brands today. That's onairbrands.com. Yes, onairbrands.com. Hey, folks, thank you so much for tuning in and for listening and supporting this show. I love you all very dearly, Um, as well as my guest here, my guest of honor, who I am super excited to bring to you and to also have a conversation. So you folks are basically going to be flies on the wall during this, what I'm foreseeing, going to be an amazing episode because uh, Lindsay Vastola and I have been talking offline um, just a few days ago for hours. And then she came into the studio and, you know, we spoke another for probably another hour, (laughs) half hour. And um, yeah, there's a whole lot to unpack and to talk about. And um, I I just want to see where this conversation takes us, not necessarily following a script, because we can do that. Um, But to me, it's somewhat boring. Agreed. um, Right? When you hear these folks 
going by the script so much and, um, you know, following a pattern. I mean, I do like to have a segment at the end um, that I don't know if it was on the pre-interview questions where we talk about um, like the uh, uh, recipe, for, recipe success. for success. Yeah. So that's yes. the only thing I like to just because I think in the future and folks, for you listening at home or driving, um, I want to compile the answers from our wonderful esteemed guests and um, put together what those recipes, like a, a cookbook cool. basically for success. Um, so that's where that's going. And I, I think we, we, we're coming up to our 50th episode. So, um, you know, somewhere around there, we should, we should be able to put it together pretty soon. So folks, I am going to tell you who we have here, an amazing individual named Lindsay Vistola who's a personal fitness expert. She focuses on professionals um, in that space. And also um, she's a speaker, trainer, and a coach on many different levels. Not just like that coach in your corner, you know, cheering you on, but like that coach that can get into your head and plant a seed and reprogram um, really, really deep stuff. So she's also um, the founder for Body Project and the editor, an editor for Personal Fitness professional magazine, PFP. Um, so that all being said, and if I've missed anything, Lindsay, please um, add to the uh, the list of sure. accomplishments and things that you've done. But th thank you and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. This is a thrill. There's, uh, like you said, following the script, let's just talk about some authentic stuff yeah. that, you know, is uh, exciting for both of us and um, see where it takes us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's always so good to speak in person, even though, so what's cool is like you and I spoke for a couple of hours, probably over, um, via zoom conference yep. and then to be in person and do something about being in the same room. It's just so different, vastly different from, you know, doing those zoom conferences even zoom or, on the or phone. phone. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, and I think that that's, and this is business related, it's people related, it's family related. What I find and what I've learned just, and I'm in a, a very personal industry, a very, you know, the, when you say service industry, it's about as, you know, close to it as you get in terms of the, the personal care and the personal touch. And what I learned was, yeah, like people just crave, whether they know it or not, we need energy from other people. Yeah. And when I closed my business, um, where it was just sort of this built in, you're around hundreds of people on a regular basis, and then you go home and you're working in your home office, three feet away from your husband who also works from home. <laughs> <laughs> Yet you're both sort of like, you know, in your tunnel vision silo of work. Um, like how important that energy is, that in-person energy. And, and I've learned that I have to talk about recipe for success is, you know, I've learned I've, I have to be very intentional about putting myself around. And the Zoom is like, there's a good, better, best, right? It's the phone yeah. calls are great. Zoom is one more level to feel that energy a little bit differently. But right. in person, I think, uh, I think it's, if we can be intentional about that, it's, yeah. it's, it's very powerful. Especially in this day and age where everything is so, you know, removed and we now we have phones that divide us, um, you know, and we're social on these, these devices, <clears throat> but there's that human element that's always missing. Um, you know, we run a, a real estate investing group and, you know, with today's technology, a lot of people just watch it or, you know, just go onto the forums and they have, they try to connect and make conversations there. But that works to a certain degree. You have to eventually come out mm -hmm. and shake hands and meet people and build that trust. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, there's nothing like it. So anyway. Do, do you also yeah. notice, though, I find communication in these, you know, more of the social realms, if you will. So online, even through Zoom. Do you find, I think the communication varies so differently when than when you're sitting in person. And, and maybe it's part of its generational, part of its, you know, experiential. So how much experience do you have sitting around a table talking about things of depth um, where you don't have the the time and the forethought to, you know, write out your response. And yeah. It's just such a different, I, I think I love the, the ad lib, the communication of, you know, um, communication fascinates me and how we communicate and um yeah. but i think that that that'll be really interesting over time you know hopefully we don't lose that art of communication and in the in-person value of it so here's the thing i think is going to happen is um there are going to be individuals like us um who are you know younger the you know, millennials even younger our kids um who are going to, to really stand out if they're good at that mm -hmm. because the majority of the people growing up and the majority of the people now um, aren't developing those soft skills anymore mm -hmm. because the crutch of being able to speak, right, yep. and and modify you and, can hit and correct and, and backspace. And, and you notice people sometimes have a take on a completely different persona absolutely. versus when they meet you in person. Somebody could be really bold and really crass or whatever it is and say certain things on email or text, and then all of a sudden... Yeah. They would never, it's a totally different person. Yeah. You know, you talk about soft skills, which I could talk about all day long, yeah. but, uh, you know, I like to call them impact skills. And mm. I think, you know, as, as a manager, if you're managing people, it's, you know, it fascinates me. One of my favorite um, quotes, I'm, I don't recall who said it, but, you know, CEOs are hired because of their IQ, but they're fired because of their lack of EQ, their emotional yeah, intelligence. Yeah. So your ability to, you know, I always envision somebody has like a panel of buttons on them. We mm -hmm. all have a panel of buttons mm -hmm. and I need to know in order to elicit. So if I'm your manager, in order to elicit your best potential or your best performance, what are the buttons that I need to push? How I need to know how you navigate life, how you make decisions. Mm -hmm. What are your triggers? What are your, what are your buffers, if you will? And same for me. And, and I need to know which buttons I need to push in order to elicit that best yeah. as, as well as myself, of course. And, um, and doing that in person is just, it's, it's, it's an art. And fortunately yeah. it's kind of come to that where you said the ones who will learn, um, the value and the power of that art are the ones who are going to stand above the rest. Yeah. Where I feel like that used to be sort of a, I don't want to say a given, but maybe more commonplace or, yeah. um, I mean, I think as a society, and it's so funny because we should get into what you do um, at some point. <laughs> but who knew where this conversation, you know, we, we, we knew that it would sort of be take on a spontaneous route. But um, I guess, you know, society and the way we communicate has always been evolving, right? It's always, always been evolving. And um, just it feels like within our lifetime, it's evolved so much more than ever, right? Over the past 50 years versus the past 500 years, mm -hmm. you know, how much more society has been connected and then kind of disconnected mm -hmm. and um, all these new businesses are being developed as we were talking about, you know, with coaching, which I knew was, was, a, was always available, just it's taking on a different sort of path because of the tools Mm -hmm. Right. It's easier to create funnels and it's easier yep. to visibility. Yeah. To write a book and publish yep. and, and build your own community. Whereas like, mm -hmm. how would you build a community in the seventies? 
right? Which is such a fascinating, you know, if you think about what we're inundated with, we're inundated with information. And I think, and this has to do everything with what I do. <laughs> so yeah. we're not too oh, far good, off good. course. Awesome. Um, but, you know, it's interesting if, if we talk about self-awareness and how we operate as the best version of ourselves, is all of that information I find, is that can that cloud, can it, can it cloud our own ability to really just sit down in, in sort of that quiet solitude of like, but what do I really want to talk about, right? What is not, you know, and, and not take all of the, the massive information and it almost dilutes a lot of it, I think. And, and so I think the ones who will, who we've seen rise above and who will continue to rise above is use that knowledge, use the platforms we have and, and use it in a way though, to authentically discover who you are, you know, not to jump ahead, but my, my recipe for success, if you will, one of my mentors put it so nicely. It's basically, you know, master yourself, master your life. And the more, or we can use those tools to understand how we best operate and um, how we can tap into our potential. How how is that though? How are we doing it in a in a way that's authentic? Because it's funny, you know, social media for me. Um, I, I have an interesting. You know, I started my business before social media even yeah. existed, and. And at first it, it was fun, it was new. And then I found, I felt like everybody was doing it. It felt so saturated. I was like, well, what makes my message different? Yeah. And and then I almost went, I was like almost retracting from social media where um, now it becomes ne- in many ways necessity, yeah. um, at least to scale it kind of to, you know, or to play if you will. But um, again, a little bit of a tangent, but it, it is interesting because, you know, communication is at the heart of everything and making sure that we're utilizing those tools in a way so that they, you know, these generations that were always being a little better than the one before. Yeah, absolutely. And I like what you said about, you know, social media being a tool and then also being able to pull back from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really key for, for, for people who know they need to use it Um, And also the people that use it um, to be mindful of what are you using it for? You know, are you are you providing value in that message or are you just posting to post so that you're consistent, which I get, you know, that has to happen maybe sometimes. But um, then there are the folks that on the other end don't use it at all because for the fear of, oh, I don't have any value or. Um, am I just putting it out there, you know, for the sake of quantity or yeah. 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 I mean, and, and, and they have a business. There are people out there who have businesses and they don't utilize or leverage social media at all. Mm-hmm. Right. And that to me could be, you know, that that's the detriment. You're not, you're not really taking advantage, um, uh, and building your business the way you could because social media is just so powerful. And I think the important from a business standpoint is at the end of the day, our businesses are for a consumer and we have to understand what are, what are consumer behaviors and how are they finding out about us? What's their view of us? Um, And what is the first thing the consumer is now like subconsciously trained to do, right? They hear about a business, Mm -hmm. however, whether it's word of mouth or maybe they met you at a networking. So maybe some of the more traditional um, networking and advertising and marketing strategies. But without question, one of the first things they will do is they will go 
online and they will look to see what your personality is like on whatever social channels um, to really get a say, you know, so they see, that's when you start to build that no like and trust factor. Mm -hmm. And what I used to be able to do with, you know, local networking and email marketing, now you just have to perpetuate it on so many different angles. And I think it can be overwhelming for entrepreneurs. It's, It's very overwhelming. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, and and there's so many facets to it. It's like, for me personally, like, it's overwhelming because there are so many platforms and each platform has its strength. So you have to, you know, figure out what type of message am I putting on? What platform is it appropriate? Not only that, these platforms constantly evolve. Daily. Right? <laughs> so like LinkedIn was the place to go if you wanted to be, have a professional voice, you know, a thought leader, you know, blog, you know, add value to other people or looking for someone, you know, that you may potentially hire and always presenting yourself in a very mm-hmm. professional manner. Now I'm starting to notice, especially LinkedIn is all in on video. Yes. And they're pushing that platform. Was it you that told me that you were a beta? Somebody's a beta tester for no. LinkedIn video. Yeah. No, how fascinating. Um, so I'm starting to see more Facebook type of posts on LinkedIn. Agreed. And I'm like, crap. I'm like, see, look, now we have to sort of pivot and, and reframe what we're thinking LinkedIn is supposed to be. Right. And now maybe it's becoming more of a casual platform again. You know, like, yeah. So it's like not only... And not to intimidate, I'm not trying to scare people away from using social media because it's a necessity in in business. Um, But also being aware of and keeping your ear to the ground or surrounding yourself with people such as yourself and like myself um, that are paying attention. Right. To these minor nuances and tweaks, and it's helping helping navigate. Yeah, like you said, where where's the best the best platform, and then how do you best communicate on those platforms? But you know what's interesting, and I think it's kind of the reminder. I know, I think there's a lot of reminders as you sort of mature or evolve as an entrepreneur. I look back and I say, you know, when I started my business. Um, you kind of have rose-colored glasses on, or I did. I said, you know, I had this like unquestionable belief in myself. I said, well, I can go out there. I can do this business. You know, I'm a daughter of an entrepreneur. Like, you know, you just sort of, where there's a will, there's a way you make yeah. it happen. Um, and you don't get, because I think there's a lot of paralysis by analysis oh, yeah. as an entrepreneur for sure. And then you don't do anything. And so you end up stuck, overwhelmed because you're not really sure where the clear next step is that you should go. Um, but when it comes to, you know, being able to understand, so I would do, you know, networking events and then I would get them on my email list and my email marketing is how I built my business, mm-hmm. building that no like, and trust vector. And again, that was before Facebook. Remember I was thinking the other day when Facebook really became, it was the only thing you could fill in was like, I am. And it had a blank. Do you remember that? No. It, it said like, or Lindsay is. So it would have whoever, it would oh, have your oh, profile for your post. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Lindsay is. And then you, filled in the blank, like yeah. eating cheeseburgers right. at, you know, McDonald's. And that's all you could, and to see oh, how right. it's evolved, yeah. not even just into what you can post, but how you can see streams of consciousness of yeah. businesses and individuals and, and know on such a deeper level, whether it's aesthetic or not, you yeah. know, and that's a completely different conversation. But I think last week or a couple of days ago, didn't Facebook go down again for an hour or two? Yeah, they had, yeah. And they make the announcement on Twitter that they apologize for <laughs> <laughs> for the issues. But it's a stark reminder for us that we can't become so heavily mm. reliant. I meet so many entrepreneurs yeah. who aren't diversifying 
their reach. So they don't, they do everything. They email, they message, they video, they connect through social media. Well, if that platform goes down, you don't have their emails. You don't have any other way to build that relationship and understanding that as the consumer, like, now it's text messaging now, you know, and in yeah. emails, you've got to get them from multiple prongs because there's fatigue. I see mm-hmm. it more and more. There's more fatigue with social media or at least certain platforms. Um, and you've got to be kind of two steps ahead of it. Yeah, that's such good advice, um, which counters, you know, often what I say to people who are very intimidated by it. I say, you know, focus on what plat- one platform, be really, really good at it. You know, and then you can learn the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm guilty of what you said because we have a show that relies on Facebook. You know, one specific show that's live every Wednesday on Facebook, and it was down during that time. And um, when we finally realized it, we just recorded it and uploaded it later. But I agree with you. It's like diversifying, making sure you don't put all your eggs in one basket, mm-hmm. and in anything. That's just in life, right? Um, it's not just social media. It's 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 um, investing, absolutely. And, you know, and and with people. Yeah. You know, um, you know, there are people out there that I'm sure most of us know who who put all their stock in their spouse. You know, and I'm I'm, I'm reading again. Um, the seven effective habits of uh, I'm reading that too. Oh, no way. I read I picked it up. It's so funny you say that it's on my bed. I'm really? like I think I'm on number six crazy. right now. Oh and going God. into the appendices and it's, indices that he has in I, there. You're reading I the actual some, book. I'm reading the actual I'm book. I'm listening to the audiobook, which I don't recommend. I love audiobooks, <laughs> but I'm driving. Not this one. I can't take notes. Yeah. So oh, I'm, re- I'm dog-eared and yeah, highlighted. And I need to just it, buy it. And I think it's one of those books though where where whenever you read it in your life, you will you will get something vastly yes. different. So It'll true. apply very differently. So, so I probably read it for the first time uh, maybe ten years ago, mm. um, and I don't even think I really understood it. Yeah, in it's the way pretty heavy. It's, it's in depth. <laughs> yeah. It's it is. It's it's deep. It requires a lot of you know. I look now with a lot of the study that I've done in um, emotional intelligence, which you know we talk about soft skills and you know, but understanding yeah. yourself and and how you operate. Well, those seven habits he speaks of is is exactly to that and right. understanding how to manage your own uh, emotions and your own actions and so on, as well as those of those the people that you're working with to elicit the best possible outcome. Right. And um, it's so funny. I'm sorry. I interrupted, but it's on my bedstand right now. That's yeah, so that's weird because <laughs> like you, I mean, I didn't read it 10 years ago, but I read it a, a few years ago. And it, you know, it set up a good primer for me. Mm-hmm. But like you said, I, I didn't digest all of it and I wasn't able to apply because it didn't. It's dense. It, right. It wasn't really applicable to what I was going through at the time. And now it's like watching a movie again, right? And now you start to notice things and you're like, I didn't remember that last time. But um, yeah, really good stuff for anyone. Uh, Stephen A. Covey uh, wrote a book a million years ago. A million years ago. I think that um, it's how many renditions or editions. Yeah, yeah. It's just one of those Bible, entrepreneur Bibles. Um, But yeah, yeah. So he talks about in there about... um, you know, there's relationship, people who put all their stock in like, mm-hmm. you know, their spouse or their business or this, like you have to be balanced. Um, so the same thing, it was just diversifying. Um, so I, I want to get into your story now. Um, normally we do that early on, but you know, this is, this is flowing. Yeah. So <laughs> let's talk about what I like to call, you know, the superhero's origin, you know, comic book issue, you know, Lindsay, Lindsay Vistola, number one, um, what happened? What, what was the early days of your entrepreneurial experience? Uh, so I tease that 
Um, I've been in sales since I was seven years old (laughs) with my first paper route. Um, my, uh, my dad was a brilliant entrepreneur, restaurateur who I tease made some not so brilliant decisions and actually ended up doing as he calls paying his dues at federal college. If you, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, during the savings and loans crisis and just, you know, made some, uh, decisions that at the time, unfortunately were, were running rampant. Um, but, but Brilliant Entrepreneur was the one of the first in restaurant franchising. And um, so I, I learned a lot from him. But anyways, what this left was my mom is a single mom um, in Hawaii. So I grew up in Hawaii, which sounds really exotic and tropical, except, you know, it's, it's single mom, three kids, my older brother, who had, you know, significant health issues um, since birth. And, um, and my mom's a farm girl from Kentucky. So oh, you talk wow. about like like post-war work ethic, um, you know, you figure out a way. I said our family mantra was, is, where there's a will, there's a way. You you make it work. Like, yeah. you know, you don't, there's no time for you to feel sorry for yourself. You figure out a way. And so in order to make ends meet, we had to sell newspapers. So um, I remember, you know, my mom would make us practice our sales pitch to sell new subscriptions. So my sister, I wasn't more than, I think we started, I was probably six and a half, seven years. I was like first grade. Um, my sister was four, I guess at the time. And my brother was probably eight or nine. And she would make us, we would practice our sales script. So going up, knocking on the door. And of course we were cute in our cute little pigtails (laughs) and bows and everything. And well, you know, hi, I'm Lindsay Sampson and I deliver the Maui news. And, um, you know, if you buy six months instead of three months, you get a month free and just everything. And, and not just the sales part of it. I mean, and who can say no to, you know, two little girls selling newspapers. (laughs) Um, but, customer retention. So I learned from my mom sales and and how to speak to people and really about how to find my voice. And I don't think she knew she was doing that at the time, but the confidence, yeah, she put me through Toastmasters. I think I was like in fourth grade. Really? And, but client retention, we would do it all of the holidays. And we, at one point, I think we delivered over 500 newspapers. So every day after school in hot Maui, my brother would get on, you know, he would do his bike route. My mom, my sister, and I would be in our old beat-up car delivering newspapers. But every holiday, we would do something special for, we would make, you know, stuff Easter eggs with little candies for every one of our clients. And, you know, in my, I think my mom knew kind of fundamentally, you know, this is appreciation for our customers. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully this means they'll renew. <clears throat> All of, like, basic business principles. Um, and then we, of course, parlayed it into, like, Girl Scout cookie sales. My yeah. sister and I were like, top cookie sales girls and, you know, um, and then I worked all through high school, paid for my high school, you know, education, paid for college, working, um, in restaurants and coffee shops and doing whatever it took. So, so for me, my work experience, um, I, I think I've always just had sort of a keen eye or watched whether I was cognizant at the time or not of nuances of business. So whether it was the fine dining restaurant or working for the chain that was, you know, we talked about systems, like look at business franchising and what we can learn from a yeah. business good and bad, but you know, everything from how you answer the phone to how you, how you, I'm doing air quotes, deal with, (laughs) deal with, um, challenging customers, how to manage expectations of customers. Those, you know, I tease, I said, I think every, every child should be mandated to work in either retail or restaurant because 
what you learn, you know, the customer isn't always right, but how do you make them feel like they're right, right so that they can, you know, that they'll return and have a positive experience? So went to college, my degrees in international politics, studied Japanese language, which makes yeah. a lot of sense considering I own, you know, a fitness and lifestyle company. <laughs> um, but so I left college, moved up to New York. I went to school in D.C., Moved up to New York and worked for an international, like quickly growing, huge international translation company. Quickly raised, you know, went up the ranks. Um, learned so much about just the corporate dynamic. Mm -hmm. um, became a manager. Uh, right. I think I managed at one point. It was like 30 employees. Oh, it was wow. like a 32 million dollar division in Jeez. pharma and medical device. Yeah, and that's not fun. No. I managed 25 people, yeah. and I was. Yeah. And I was, was young. Like I look back, I think I was like 24, 23, wow. 24. Yeah. And, um, but it was one of those just very like work hard, play hard companies yeah. and, um, learned so much in sales and presentation and, and management. And what I really, in retrospect, what I learned so much or what I realized I loved about it wasn't necessarily like the tactical job stuff that I was doing. I loved the management and mm -hmm. I loved the managing people because I think from even a young age, I've always, how can I make that a better, how can I make them a better person? How can we like find out what their strengths are, elicit that so that the, that they produce more, mm -hmm. that they um, are tapping into their potential and doing it in their own way so that as a group, right, as my division, we're all operating as high performers as best we can yeah. so that, you know, sort of high tides raise all boats. Were you always a good people person or is that something you developed along the way? Um, I think I never really remember being shy mm -hmm. or, um, and I don't know, you know, I always find it interesting the studies they do on like entrepreneurship on whether it's like, what is it, you know, were you raised to do it? Or is it, uh, what do they say? Like, uh, like, is it in your DNA? Yeah. Is it genetic or is it environmental? Right. right. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's, it's a little bit of both. You know, I think just by sheer, how I grew up out of necessity, we had to sell more newspaper subscriptions. So. Yeah. So it's <laughs> um, funny that you say that because the majority of people, including myself, um, you know, had a paper route just to teach me the hustle yes. and like my parents wanted me to learn the value of the dollar and working mm -hmm. hard and all that stuff. Um, so you did it because you needed to help put food on the table, which yeah. is wild, right? Because that's not usually, it's like, you know, hey, I, 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 I had a lemonade stand just like everybody else, but no, we actually use that money to buy food. Yeah. You know? That's wild. Yeah. So um, it was just sort of this like team sport called family. Like, you know, you just, everybody has their part. There was no expectation. I just like really humble. And I think that a lot of that was my mom's upbringing on the farm. Mm -hmm. I think that that brought a lot into it. Mm -hmm. And um, so just lessons. And even to this day, it's like where there's a will, there's a way. I think sh what she did, you know, one of, one of the reasons why I love what I do now, you know, is we have to train our brain much like we train our body, right? There has to be consistent messaging. If we're putting junk in our body, if we're not moving it, if we're not um, valuing what it does, like there's gonna be a very specific outcome. And the same with our mind. And none of this is earth shattering, but I think in, in my life where our mantra was like, where there's a will, there's a way, yeah. it, it taught me abundance mindset, basically. It's mm -hmm. always look for a solution, mm -hmm. always find a way. And so, 
in whether it was I wanted to go to you know a specific college and figure out a way to pay for it, Lindsay, or yeah. you know now I it, in my business there was a problem. Well, there's always going to be a solution. Failure is just never an option. Right. Right. Well, failure in the mind of those who say, you know, um, you know, I'm not, I'm going to quit if, right. I'm not going to learn from it. Um, but I did want to also, you reminded me of a quote, um, that resonates, um, from what you're saying in the, your mantra where our, our, our bodies are our homes, mm -hmm. right? And if you don't take care of it, where are you going to live? And I think as entrepreneurs, especially, and just anyone, you know, entrepreneurs, you know, you're an employer. Um, if you don't take care of your body, you know, you can't function. You can't, I mean, for, so for example, um, you know, I, I get chronic back issues. I think, I don't know if I mentioned this in our mm -hmm. last conversation. Um, and I'm going right now, I'm like, I got to stand up. So I'm going to stand <laughs> um, So I, I got really cocky, you know, to the point where, you know, I was just running like, crazy you know just burning the candle of both ends and going nuts and like crushing business and relationships and doing everything i had to do um but i wasn't being mindful of of the cost the cost mm -hmm. it can have because i'm physically fit but what am i doing on a spiritual mental mm -hmm. um mindful level right you know i, I think one of the most powerful, and it's, it's a, it's, I guess you could call it a business concept. It's an economic concept. It's a, but it really applies to, I mean, it's a life concept, right? Is the concept of opportunity cost. Mm -hmm. So for every, if I just look at it as, you know, from a, from my business standpoint, it's for every minute that I'm not spending in relationship building or sales or whatever, um, you know, I'm giving up the opportunity to, make more money, for example. Um, or, you know, okay, me going and speaking in that, at that engagement, I have to travel. The opportunity cost is time with my family mm -hmm. and, you know, or time that I'm working on something else in my business. Um, and is that worth it or not? And a lot of that just comes down to values, but there's opportunity cost. And this is where I think, and I'm making sort of the broad generalization that I think as a society, we are a high performing culture. Right. right. It's there. You get a badge of honor when you work more hours. And it's something that you just you talk about is, you know, how little you're sleeping, how much you're working and yeah. who's doing more in less time. And um, we're like we're not really taught how to be high performers in a full context. So mm. and this is what I found with my clients who I would. I would define as success-driven, primarily women is who I work with, and they're success-driven. So a lot of them are, you know, they have their professional life. Um, and even if they were, maybe they, they weren't working, it was, there's a mindset. It's like, you know what, I just, I want to be better. I know I can be better. Anyway, so working with professionals, and I what I would find is they're kind of crushing, use the word, like they're crushing every other part of their life, right? Yeah. Their business, their work. Um, their, their families, they, you know, even though it feels chaotic, but the one part that they felt like they were, um, they were lacking or they just couldn't figure out was how to take care of themselves. Mm. And, and the unfortunate part is usually it's too late. It's when you realize, okay, like the baby weight turned into, you know, 20 years later, it's not baby weight anymore or the stress. And I, I was speaking at an event the other day and a woman said that, you know, she literally had, a heart attack at her desk. And her first 
inkling when she woke up from laying in, you know, in the hospital was, well, how quickly can I get back to work? Because I have all those projects that I need to work on. Like mm. even those wake up calls yeah. sometimes aren't enough. Yeah. And so when it comes to opportunity cost, it's, you know, at what point are we giving up? What's the opportunity cost? What's the cost of us burning the midnight oil? And or f- at least for an extended period of time, I think we go through ebbs and flows, but really seeing what the capacity is honoring that and knowing that like results happen during recovery. Yeah. Like it's, you, you have to be able to find those, those times. And for me as an entrepreneur, as a mom, as an individual, the whole concept of opportunity cost has become so much more powerful and really rooting it into like, what's important to me, you know, time with my family. Cause every time I'm doing something, yeah, it might make me money, but what's the value and is it enough to take me away from my family yeah. and vice versa with the business? So how do you do those exercises? Do you write them down or you just think of them, you know, while you're taking a break or what, how do you? Like in terms of opportunity cost or yeah, how I yeah. weigh Yeah, yeah. Do things? you just go through that process in your mind or you actually jot it down? Yeah, you know, I think um, I've only really recently, interestingly enough, um, kind of taken to the power of journaling. Mm-hmm. Um, but I journal for very different reasons, but I think, uh, or different things. I think it helps with a stream of consciousness of, um, of my values. And I think, um, over the last couple of years, if you ask if there's sort of the exercise it's, and I don't know if enough entrepreneurs do this is put an actual dollar value on your time. Mm. So what is my hour of time worth? So whether it's a dollar value or some long-term, because I'll do a task or I'll take a free phone call, right? If there is potential opportunity down the road. But I think the trap, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in the service industry, we're very altruistic. Like we just, Mm. we want to help people. We have a message that we want to share. But when it comes to you talk about we get burnt out mm-hmm. and it's usually because we're doing a lot of things that at some point give us purpose, but then the purpose gets lost because we're not getting the reward. And a lot of that is financial. It's financial reward or a sense of balance. And the question for me, if you ask me what the exercise was for me is I ask myself, Lindsay, is this taking me to balance or burnout? Mm-hmm. Balance or burnout? And so if I see that I'm doing things that um, don't have the long-term gain that I can see um, or are pulling me away from my family time or aren't part of, um, you know, again, entrepreneurs, we're very diverse. We have lots of different skill sets, but just because you're good at it doesn't mean you have to keep doing it. Mm. And that was a big lesson for me. So balance or burnout is a question that, you know, is this, and and whether you call it balance or um, flow or a rhythm, we all know what that feels like. We know what it feels like to be like crushing. I just, I love that you can say (laughs) crushing it in in like your business, but also being able to do that in, in life and your personal life. Yeah. So that's the big question for me, I think. Right. So what do you do as far as, um, when you do that evaluation, you know, balance or burnout, um, when multiple opportunities come at you and it seems like when it rains, it pours, Mm -hmm. right? So how do you evaluate which opportunities do I take when oftentimes as entrepreneurs and myself included, um, I try to do it all. I'm like, okay, there are four opportunities in one week, right? 
next two weeks I have nothing, but this is all happening right now. Yeah. And I'm going to do it all. And then I might throw my back out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what do you do? Um, you know, it's funny. I believe that we are creators of our own destiny. That might sound a little superfluous, but what I mean by that is... Um, I think so. If, if that were presented to me, it's like, oh, you've got you know four opportunities. I'm kind of facing that, you know, kind of be full transparency. I'm facing yeah. that right now. Right. The more you do, the more yes. things come. The right? more things so, come to you, yeah. which is the beauty of like manifesting what you want, you right? Manif- exactly. Be careful <laughs> what you wish for. I'm manifesting too much. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and for me, it's um, finding clarity. Mm-hmm. So and that. Is so the last year. So I closed. I didn't get into. So I started my fitness business. It evolved. You know, scaled fairly quickly. So for twelve years, uh, twelve thirteen years, um, built my business. Owned a physical studio. We had about twenty five hundred over the course of time. Go through our programs. A lot of corporate wellness programs and things. Um, But there came a point where I was like, you know what? There's opportunity. So in line, right, with what we're going at. There are opportunities that I know are just like that light my fire. I want to do, mm-hmm. but I just, I don't have the time, the energy, the mental wherewithal to be able to do them to the degree that I want to. Mm-hmm. And that is a barometer for me too. I think um, that I said, could I have done all those things? Could I have gotten my business to the point where, and it was, it was running itself, but it still takes, you know, we have a certain amount of mental capacity. Mm-hmm. And so these other opportunities, while I could take them on, I would, like, at what cost? Burning the midnight oil, becoming a not the best version of myself to my husband and my kids. <laughs> um, and I said, okay, well, there, there, it does come to choice. Um, and that's when I decided, I said, you know, let me close my business and be able to open up now these opportunities. Yeah. You know, remind me, because I do want to talk about it. You mentioned it earlier, like the power of quitting. And I think as yeah. entrepreneurs, um, it, it's a really good lesson. It was one of the most powerful for me. But when you have those decisions, it's really, you know, maybe it's just not right now, but what can I do where I can give my best where I wouldn't feel like, oh, I gave that 25%. It's, and it might just, it, and it means saying no. Yeah. It means saying no. Yeah. And I've had to do a lot more of that um, of recent as I've gained more clarity. Otherwise, trying to be a Jack or Jacqueline of all trades mm-hmm. really doesn't, I don't think it, it doesn't fulfill the purpose that we want to. Does that yeah. make sense? I don't know yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> I'm guilty of trying to do too much um, you know, especially given the whole hustle mindset nowadays where it's like, you know, um, you know, burn, burn the candle at both ends and, and, and do whatever you got to do to succeed. And oftentimes as entrepreneurs and business owners, we're pressured to, to live by those standards. Right. Um, you know, and, and as I move forward and I'm sorry, this, this is a very, um, me on the couch, uh, moment right yeah, now. Please. You know, you're, please. you're playing my therapist, um, <laughs> is, how do I recognize the, the, what are the, what are the red flags? What are the indicators that you're doing too much before it all comes to a head? Right. It's like, so I know I want to do all those things, but during the time of doing those things, there are markers, right? But being able to rec, what do you do personally to recognize and then act and implement, um, okay, I'm going to pull, even though I committed to this, I'm now going to say no 
do you start to think about the repercussions because that mm. that's a potential business partner or client or somebody that um, was looking forward to meeting with you and now you just said no and let's reschedule. That's happened to me where things I had to cancel um, because I was overbooked. Yeah. And now, you know, they, I've been ghosted. Like they don't contact me. They took it personally. Um, but it was for my family. I, you know, I had to take time off or, right. you know. So how do you handle situations like that where you know potentially you might lose out on something? I think a lot of it comes down, I believe, so much of it is self-awareness. I do this um, exercise when I do really any of my presentations because if we can, if we master ourselves, if we know how how we make decisions, how we operate best, um, then the outcomes, then we, then we sort of have better forethought. And I think in the early stages of entrepreneurship, it's like shiny object syndrome. Oh, yeah. Right? It's so many things I could do. And then you get so deep in it that now you're trying to untangle and work your way back out. And and that's what I got caught up into early on. So the self-awareness, but the exercise I do, and I actually have phys people physically get up and um, I call it the four corners exercise. And think about decisions that you make or um, you know when something big is happening, are you an action taker? Like, are you just the person who says, um, like, let's just do it and worry about the consequences later? Are you a detail-driven person? Do you f need to know the who, what, when, where, high, like how, like and finite details before you make the decision? Are you a person who makes decisions based on what you think other people are going to think of you? Um, current clients, I would, I tend to do that quite a bit or did in my businesses where, well, if I change a schedule or change a, you know, program, those two people, those two clients are going to be so mad at me <laughs> when really the greater good it would actually serve and help me be a better leader. Mm -hmm. um, and which one am I missing? Um, oh, the bigger picture. Do you look at the bigger picture of things? Um, what are the longer term opportunities? I think most entrepreneurs typically fall in somewhere between the action taker and the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. So if I know how I typically make decisions, I can then say, okay, well, I tend to be an action taker, but sometimes that gets me into trouble mm -hmm. because now I'm, I, I, it's sort of the take action and apologize later mindset, yeah. which can be positive in some realms, but maybe when it comes to taking opportunities, maybe I do need to be the bigger picture person of what is the long-term trajectory of making a decision like that. So that's an exercise I know I go through um, and what were you saying? Oh, um, making a decision on, you know, the long term. It's really understanding how, how do we just operate at our best? Mm -hmm. One of my core principles is understanding, like I always call it finding my center. Like, yeah, where am I operating best? I know that, um, what things, cause you asked me specifically, you know, when you talk about, um, burnout, right, you're getting so close and you're just almost done. I love to, compare this with overtraining as an athlete. Mm. So the problem is with overtraining is you don't really know, especially the first couple times this is, you know, and for the average person, mm. it doesn't happen. But for like an athlete who's really high intense training, which mm -hmm. we're just high performance athletes, you know, as entrepreneurs, you don't know you've overtrained right. until you're there, mm. until your back is out, until you have the arrhythmia, yeah. until you just are completely you know, injured or right. you're already there. Yeah. While there are symptoms and things that you can see, 
especially that first time you don't know you're in overtraining until yeah. you're there. Right. And burnout is the same way. We don't know we're burnt out until we're there. And when we're there, we know it because, well, everybody else that we care about tells us that <laughs> or physically we feel it. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, and a lot of it is just experience and knowing, yeah. okay, well, where am, am I starting to get to that point where I need to pull back? Um, what are things that just at the end of the day don't light you up? And sometimes you have to go through that shiny object syndrome and see which shiny objects you actually love doing and which ones you're doing just because the idea sounded better than it actually was. Um, and I think that's just that's just charting the course as an entrepreneur. I don't know if that's like probably not the answer that a lot of people want to hear, but um, like every opportunity though, like why is this happening for me? Like why is the guy not calling you happening for you? What can you learn from it? Um, can it be an opportunity to learn how to navigate challenging situations or know that next time this comes up, that's when I need to say no or reschedule or, mm -hmm. you know, position it differently? Yeah, I, I always try to take um, lessons. Um, and, and, and this may to most not seem like a big deal, um, you know, rescheduling someone on your calendar. Um, but to me, it is like I... I, I you know, I'm I'm a people pleaser, right? Mm -hmm. And I and I always yes. want to to give, um, and um, you know, I I always want to focus on what is it that I could have done differently, and and I take away the lesson, although as small as it may be, to 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 ensure that it doesn't happen again, or um, to just fix the system, right? So, for instance, because it sounds a little vague, what I'm saying. Um, what what actually happened in that scenario is I, I'm supposed to interview someone just like this, um, but my wife um, didn't, um, and I'm not blaming it on you. I love you, Jane. Um, <laughs> she put something on my calendar. It was my daughter's graduation, right? Mm -hmm. uh, she's in kindergarten. It's so funny how like you big can deal, graduate you know. in kindergarten. Big deal, but it is a big deal. And um, we didn't bake in travel time, mm -hmm. so it overlapped. So for me to interview this guy, I'd have to be in the car. Right. So I said, that's not going to happen. Um, and, um, I, and I told him the situation and it just, you know, just wasn't interested in, in revisiting or, or rescheduling, which is fine. So, um, so I took that lesson and I, and, and, and I spoke to my wife and, and, and Natalie, who, who you know, helps mm -hmm. with scheduling. Um, let's just make sure to bake in time for travel, um, which seems sort of like, oh, that's obvious. Yeah. But no, when you have a lot of these going on, there's always going to be something that slips through the cracks. Um, so anyway, um, opportunities and and being able to recognize um, red flags, you know, when you're hitting those. I agree with you that it, it takes experience, mm -hmm. right? Um, but the thing is, what regardless of what your situation is, whether you're working in a company or you're working for yourself, there's always going to be breaking points, totally. right? Um, especially if you're of that mindset where you just want to crush or you just want to constantly overachieve, mm -hmm. right? Which well, a lot of the people who are listening and watching, I'm sure, are those individuals, yeah. right? So what are, what are the sort of things that, um, aside from everything you've mentioned there, um, because I know you're about mindfulness and you're about um, spirituality and mental health and wellness and he and health and everything mm -hmm. right, wrapped up. But I also want to crush it and be a high performer. <laughs> yeah. So how? I mean, what do you do? I guess it's each individual, right? Everyone has a different. But for you, mm -hmm. 
for you, what are some of the other things that you practice? Um, number one, guardrails on my time. Mm -hmm. um, and I love the visual of guardrails because yeah. if you think like you're driving down love a it. highway yeah. and guardrails like pop up, yeah. <laughs> they're not just, what do they always call it? Like a put parameters or like, for me, guardrails, the visual was, okay, I can bump up against yeah. the guardrail, but it's gonna push me back. Yeah. So- You're not gonna go off the cliff. I'm not gonna go <laughs> off the cliff, but let me set up guardrails and other people see those guardrails too. Mm. So being really clear and people love, this is just human condition. We love structure yeah. and we like, I mean, you have young children too, right? It's sort of like, if you ask a child, hey, what do you want for, what do you want for breakfast? I don't know, mom, I don't know. Like, right, you're gonna get, there's gonna be an argument. Well, just tell me what you want for breakfast. <laughs> Instead of like, you know what? Do you want pancakes or do you want cereal? Mm -hmm. We love, the human mind loves choice and structure and parameters mm -hmm. and, um, and guidelines. But most of us aren't aware enough of what that structure, to self-create a structure in mm -hmm. our own life. Right. Sometimes, like if you're working for someone else, sometimes those are dictated to you. Um, but what it does is it gives you a sense of um, worth of your time. So if I say, okay, on Mondays, like I could I could schedule calls and chats and coffees and meetings all day long for people who want to, this is my favorite side note, little tangent, like to pick my brain. Yeah. <laughs> if you ever, like, I spent a lot of time, money, energy, and investment in this brain. Like mm. to say like, hey, I'll take you to coffee. Let me just pick your brain. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you yeah, know what yeah. I'm, where I'm going with that? Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And listen, I am a giver. I want to help people yes. get there faster. But, yeah. but what I learned was I was letting people pick my brain so often that yeah. opportunity cost. Right. I was meeting for coffees and doing these things out of goodwill because mm. when I was an entrepreneur, I just wanted that too, yeah. is now I can say, you know what, I, I do it on Fridays. Fridays is my day where I will you know, do one person, I'll meet for coffee. Now, at yeah. least in my, I can look at my calendar and not feel mm. frustrated or overwhelmed because I've committed to these things that I'm excited about or passionate about. But then, man, what's closest to excitement and passion is resentment. Like yeah. then you become resentful because right. you're giving all of your time. Mm -hmm. um, so guardrails on my time. So really learning how to navigate, um, when am I most productive? So, um, you know, Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, I really try to keep like the afternoons. If I'm doing any sort of calls, you get the exception though today. <laughs> if <laughs> I'm, you. if I'm doing it, um, you know, any calls or what have you, like just blocking off my time. Those for me are guardrails. It keeps me productive. It keeps me less distracted because there's nothing that I hate more than at the end of the day. And I know a lot of people listening can appreciate this when you say, I was so busy today, but I felt like I accomplished absolutely nothing. Right. And so, um, you know, what are the the two to three things that I must accomplish, you know, in this chunk of time? And then knowing that a lot of that will overflow. So I think guardrails on my time is is a big one to keep me uh, to keep me there and communicating those guardrails. Right. It's very empowering when you can say, "I'm happy to speak with you, but here are the two dates that I love or that I'm available to doing." Um, you know, there's a lot of calendar scheduling, you know, like Calendly and Acuity and all these. Mm -hmm. And I used to be a little bit like, oh, they're going to send me a link and I have to go see when they're available. Yeah. And I said, no, you know what? This is brilliant because it, first of all, it wastes, it saves a lot of wasted energy of back and forth and when you're available and whatever, right? Right. Now you can just say, go here, here are my available times. 
click which one you know works for you but I've put guardrails on it and now I know that I've allocated that and time for me is just time is money we're li- it's limited time is love like time is family time and yeah. you can only do one thing with it so yeah I, I love the guardrails analogy too <clears throat> not just for yourself mm-hmm. right um, so you have that visual path um, I love that. But then also managing expectations of others, right? Yes. So they are on the outside of the guardrails looking in and saying, okay, Lindsay is only available in this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I agree with you. The whole calendar thing seems a bit pretentious. Yes. But the thing is, you know, I didn't have an assistant always, right? Um, but that seemed pretentious in the beginning too. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's just normal. Um, but I, I'm with you. Sometimes people send me stuff and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, seriously, dude? Uh, you're that busy? But meanwhile, I had the same thing. It's just different. Um, but um, love that analogy. And so what are some of the things that uh, – so many questions, and I don't even know which to ask you first. Um, so so you're, you seem somewhat bulletproof to me. Like I feel very vulnerable um, when speaking to you in the moment because of my ailments and, you know, and thinking like, you know, I was invincible three weeks ago mm-hmm. and then um, just doing everything. I, I had a cape on and I was flying around and, you know, just doing everything. And I realized I was mortal. You mm-hmm. know, I realized, oh man, I, I have limitations yeah. and, and it was my fault for not recognizing those limitations. So um, just so that the folks at home can, um, and, and for me to be able to relate to you because you're so perfect. Oh, is, please. Uh, no, seriously, <laughs> you've got it together, Lindsay. Uh, it's because my but, mom put me through Toastmasters in fourth grade. <laughs> uh, really, I, I, I didn't do Toastmasters until I was... I think in my late 30s or early 40s, I was really, and my wife can attest to this, I was so petrified of doing presentations wow. and speaking, public speaking. It's so funny to look back now because I love it. Love right? it now, Once isn't it's, it? Right? We're addicted to mm-hmm. adrenaline too. But um, yeah, yeah. It just goes to show how you can evolve into something else, um, you know, which you know, it, it's it's just interesting to be able to see yourself. Yes. Um but you just have to push yourself. But um, yeah, so anyway, I wanted to ask you about, you know, thinking about a moment when you didn't recognize the signs and something happened, whether it was a migraine or it was back or whatever it was, um, and then the steps you took to recover Mm -hmm. and then also the steps you took so that it wouldn't happen again or it would happen less often. Yeah. Yeah. So this will be the on the couch moment for me. Um, You know, we talked about, so I, I had my fitness company for 12 years and, and successful by all definitions of the word financially, you know, in terms of the community and the people and um, such a fulfilling, like sort of every entrepreneur's dream. My daughter was maybe a year old or so. And I remember it was one of those days where you're just like, I mean, mentally depleted, physically depleted. Um, And the irony is here I am in the fitness business (laughs) and I physically, like I know all the stuff I'm supposed to do, um, but literally feeling this, depletion is the only word I can think of. Um, So exhausted and part of that, you know, having an infant, if you will. And I remember putting her to bed and I said either out loud or to her, or in my mind, I said, but honey, I'm doing this for you. Mm. And at that moment, it, like I get goosebumps like thinking of it right now, because it was a moment of epiphany, it was God, it was serendipity, whatever it was. I said, 
I realized, I said, you know, I can't, but I can't do this. And I think that's a real question I have to ask myself too, is what motivates me? Like, is it, do my kids really motivate? Of course, my children and my family, I want to do right by them and give them a good life. But what really motivates me? And so I'm putting her down in the crib and I just had this aha moment that I can't keep doing this. Like I'm not serving anyone, mm -hmm. myself, number one, my family, <clears throat> my clients, the ones who I think I'm burning, you know, I'm doing all this massive action and, yeah, you know, yeah. all these the hustling. I'm not even giving them my best because I'm so depleted. Mm. And I think, you know, I don't, I'm certainly not bulletproof. Um, but I think you can become more bulletproof when you learn energy management. Mm. That for me was, it, this for me is kind of a, um, like a playbook. Oh, you have sound effects. This is game changing here. Yes, one. I know. It's the okay, only one. that's a good one. But Maybe that was the first time I my... used it. I was waiting for a moment in time where I could use it and that was it. I want to give was, you a couple more. That's my goal. Um, energy management. Energy management, not like when we think energy, like I think of the battery on our phone, right? Mm -hmm. And we know like, okay, it's starting to get down to like 10%. I'm going to get, last night I was on a call. Yeah. I'm going to get cut off. I have to get the good stuff in before I'm cut off. Physical energy management, mm -hmm. mental energy management, emotional, spiritual, and, and kind of having like the, the gas gauge yeah. and knowing where you are and what things deplete you more and what things fill you up. So from a physical standpoint, oh, my physical ailments that came as a result of chronic stress, which it's interesting. I grew up, you know, where there's a will, there's a way. So I never would say like, I'm so stressed out. I have so much going. Because mm -hmm. in my mind, I would look at my mom and I'm like, are you kidding? I have nothing to worry about. Here she mm -hmm. is like managing three kids and working and all this. I can't say that I'm stressed. <laughs> but the minute you sort of acknowledge, whether yeah. you call it stress or yeah. whatever you want to call it, this is depleting me. Mm -hmm. And anything that depletes me, I need to have something on the counter to replenish that. And so a lot of what I do from a strategic standpoint is the guardrails are important. Guardrails mm -hmm. on my time. Um, I've really realized when am I when do I perform at my best? So when am I creatively my best? When am I physically my best? Um, and and I know emotionally and mentally, I'm very. What really depletes me is um, speaking and coaching. Mm -hmm. I put so much emotional and men I actually canceled. I had two calls this afternoon, and I knew. I said doing something like this. It's like running a marathon yeah. because you're emotionally putting so much into it, so much mental um, mental tenacity or you know what you want to bring. It's it's like running a marathon. Yeah. Most of most people don't realize though that the mental mental um, requirements, emotional requirements to work, even just nine to five, and then you get home and now you're supposed to be you know, the best husband or the best right. wife and yeah. give emotionally to your family. So when I, like when I speak, for example, I know I've learned, I, I learned a very hard lesson. You talk about overtraining and burnout. I was at a conference and it was three solid days. I had presentations and you're networking and I was emceeing and mm -hmm. you're constantly on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, from morning to night, plus the travel 
And I came back and I felt like I had the flu. Mm -hmm. I wasn't actually like physically sick, but I I was, uh, I could could barely get out of bed. You were drained. I was drained. And I think before I would have said like, oh, I must have caught a bug Mm. on the plane. And instead it was like, no, like this is, I'm emotionally and mentally energetically depleted. I need to build it just like an athlete. If I play, you know, if, if an athlete plays a football yeah. game or goes, you know, they build in time for recovery. Mm-hmm. You look at an athlete's life, you know, and this is a good analogy is you have preseason training, you have mid-season training, you have post-season training, and you have the off-season. Mm-hmm. And you train very differently yeah. in each of those seasons. Well, if they were training like they train in preseason in the middle of the season, they would get injured. Right. They'd be hurt. Mm-hmm. They, they, their performance would be horrible. Yeah. And so, if we just think of ourselves as everyday athletes, is you know, what am I doing? Am I eating right? Am I drinking enough water? Am I putting myself around the right people? Am I building in time to just turn it off? That's been hard for me, or that's yeah. been a challenge. It's like, stop thinking about. Like, it's fun to keep it going, you know, the mind turning of ideas and things, but. When do you turn it off? And that for me was like the bulletproof or like when I realized like, I can't keep doing this. Yeah. I can't, Cause I'm not, I'm not being my best to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. And the toughest part I'm, you know, for me and for other people I imagine is um, the self-awareness aspect of it. Yeah. Right. It's so everyone has different thresholds. Everyone has different talents for pain and risk and whatever. Um, what is it for you? Right. Because sometimes I can push myself to the point um where I could do a ton. But like you said, through experience, you'll be able to recognize um, when you're pushing yourself to the limit and you're going to get to the point where you're burning out. Um, and just learning to say no mm-hmm. and and putting up the guardrails, managing expectations, all these things put in place, and I'm sure there's tons more, but we just scratched the surface, um, can help you to basically avoid pitfalls and uh, and avoid you basically giving up if so you know percentage wise i always forget you know businesses that start up you know some it's 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 50 fail it's, in the it, first four years right yeah. isn't it more than that it's probably more than that I that was more a, yeah oh i would that question and then like at the fifth year it's even higher it's like three percent you know um succeed and the ones that succeed aren't necessarily successful businesses no, exactly. right they're they're living check to check mm-hmm. or they're just, you know, um, operating. Um, so yeah, those are, that's all good stuff. All great stuff that I, I've been learning a ton, you know, from our conversation here. Um, and I'm hoping everyone that's listening also has been learning a ton. So we're going to, we're going to, we're going to take a pause here, folks. So we'll be back. Hey folks. So we are back with Lindsay Vastola, an amazing person who's um, who's changing my life. Everyone here um, witnessed it and heard, and I hope is also affecting and and um, creating change in your life as well uh, with so many actionable items and so many things that people can really implement and and make a drastic change, um, especially given uh, burnout and guardrails. Just so many great things that you've been bringing up, and I didn't want to you know, have it in there. I wanted to continue because you're giving so much and I don't want to drain you, you know, where you're going to start putting up the guardrails for me. But, um, yeah, let's, let's, let's get into, um, what you're doing now. 
Um, I know you're off on a brand new adventure, mm -hmm. and it's super exciting. And I want to tell the folks at home more about what it is um, that's going on in Lindsay Vistola's future and um, current plans. Yeah. yeah. Um, can I start with a little bit of a story? Kind Absolutely. Of I love stories. So um, I had a, a mentor who's a brilliant entrepreneur who you probably need to interview too. Yeah, yeah, please <laughs> bring him on. Um, and he was very gracious with his time. And, and he asked me one question that I think, you know, you, you get those questions. And I believe in the power of questions, right? If, you, if we ask better questions, we'll get better outcomes. And he asked me this question once when I was in the middle of kind of knowing with, with my fitness business – I could see where the train was going, but sometimes we don't, you ever look for validation in other people? Like, you know, in your gut, what the answer is, but then we start looking for validation from other people we respect to yeah. give us the same, you know, give us the same answer. Anyway, so we're sitting and talking, he asked me this one question. He said, Lindsay, if possibilities were limitless for you, what would that look like? Mm. And you know, I would always think, you know, I've always sort of been a limitless thinker. I think, um, you know, always you have a mission and a vision, whether it was in my business. I think I always just kind of believed in the power of possibility. And I couldn't answer him. Mm. I couldn't answer him. And I think it was one of those, again, you have these like multiple aha moments, moments of epiphany along the course of entrepreneurship and life. And, and I couldn't answer him. And it frustrated me at first because I'm like, here I am. Like I have, you know, I've always been a limitless thinker. I've had this vision for the business, but what I realized was I couldn't think limitlessly because I felt boxed in. I felt boxed in. It, it's almost like my, my physical business space was like this analogy for how I felt like the four square walls mm. were, were, were hindering my potential. And so what he was really asking me is like, Lindsay, what, what do you think your full potential is? And that's why I've become so fascinated. So you ask me what I'm doing now is what I've always done, whether it was managing a team in corporate America or managing my team, you know, with my business or helping my employee or helping my clients. It really wasn't my product was fitness. So they would come in and, you know, we had exercise programs and training programs. It was really about what can I do? What tools, what strategies, how can I teach them how to see their potential, how to achieve things they don't think are possible and just give them the tools and the strategies for it. And that's what I realized when he asked me this question, Lindsay, if your possibilities were limitless, I realized, I said, well, there's something that's actually holding my, I can't even think, like mm -hmm. I feel so bogged down by, here's the irony, this amazing business that I created. Mm -hmm. And it was a cue to me that maybe this is time to evolve. And so if there's sort of a, a message and, and the whole closing selling a business was, probably the most valuable entre and most like just um, powerful experience as an entrepreneur. Cause you know, like I said, it's, I, I met all the benchmarks of typical businesses, right? You have four year, five year marketing, successful, a team, systems were built in, very easily could have scaled it, licensed it, franchised it. But at the end of the day, it was, is this really what I want to be doing? And just because you're good at something, I'm, I'm good at the fitness, I'm good at the coaching, I'm good at, you know, 
does it mean that we have to keep doing it? Mm-hmm. And I, and that's it's like the blessing and a curse. The curse of being an entrepreneur is we're kind of always looking at like what's next, what's next, what's next. And I think if if as an entrepreneur, if you're not looking at what's next, not as the shiny object syndrome, but is the decision, everything I'm doing, is it getting me closer to where that trajectory is supposed to be? If at any point you feel like you can't even think past that and you're so in the weeds or you're so inundated by the right now, it probably means you need to quit something. Mm. And you mentioned quit in, well, part one or the yeah. earlier part of this. <laughs> um, it, we have to quit something to make space for something greater. And that was for me, I said, you know, here I am, I, I have big visions for what I want to do. Mm-hmm. What the, it actually, the mechanics of what it looks like, I have some semblance of it, but what I had to do, and I'm, again, I'm doing air quotes because I don't think we're live right now. I, the, I had recording. to quit, <laughs> I had to quit that business. I had to evolve, I had to pivot, whatever you want to call it, in order to make space to now take this leap. And it, it was amazing when I made that decision that, you know what, I need to move on. I need to mm. evolve, take my experience, go to the next, was when limitless thinking came back. It mm. was like, can you do that? Oh, button yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was when I made that decision, it was that limitless possibility. I, I feel like so the analogy I'm thinking of is, is so this coach or this mentor of yours came and said, hey, so what's the next chapters in this book? And you were at the last page and you're like, I I don't know. But also, um, I have a question about um, when you started the company, mm-hmm. right? What, what was the name of your Body fitness? Project. Yeah, Body Project. Mm-hmm. Um, did you go in with the mindset of, I'm going to build this, build systems and teams and sell it? Or was it going to be a legacy project for you? Um, I always knew that I wasn't going to be in the fitness space, like the teaching of fitness forever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think I knew... I know for me, I was always an athlete and I, and I knew fitness, what it did for me, like just mental toughness and what it taught me, um, in business. But I don't think, you know, I don't think I knew what systems were mm-hmm. like <laughs> you go in it and, wasn't like you were like, like the E-Myth, I'm just going to follow yeah, this to the T exactly. and then I'm just going to sell it. That was one of the it. first books I did read. But I, like we said, you don't, when you're in that, when yeah. you're like in the infancy of it yeah. and to newer entrepreneurs, I think that's what I would just say. Like part of it is you have to have enough skin in the game mm-hmm. where it's not just something you can just easily get up and go and like seek out mentors, invest in knowledge you don't know you don't have. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, you can't make a cookie without like a recipe. And mm-hmm. there are just in business, there are fundamental recipes, like yeah. understanding business modeling. And so I knew, and I think a lot of that just came from, you know, my dad was an entrepreneur and I think I had some semblance of that, but but I also knew that I was going to grow it to a point, you know, we talked about earlier, like think when you're starting your business, you sort of have to start with the end in mind. Are you going to one day scale it and franchise it or sell it? Or is it going to be just something that creates a really great life for you and your family? And I knew for me, you know, I always think of what I'm doing as like, we all have lily pads Mm -hmm. and what, what lily pad are you on right now? And what's the next one you have to jump to? Because you can't stand too long on a lily pad before it starts sinking, right? Yeah, or constantly jumping, right? exactly. You get comfortable, and, yeah. You know, that lily pad's only gonna hold you for so long. Yep. You gotta get before bigger. you gotta go to the next one. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So okay, so let's get into the new venture. So now you knew I gotta write a new book. I gotta 
you know, develop the next phase mm -hmm. of my life and Lindsay Vistola. So what, what does that look like? So for me, you know, I have my legs in, uh, you know, kind of steeped in different um, places. And this is, you, know, you talk about, we all don't have it figured out. <laughs> you yeah, know, the yeah. last year for me, when I closed my business, while I knew sort of the, uh, the, the direction, I didn't know the exact path of what mm -hmm. it looked like. And it's okay. I think part of it is, um, you know, on the outside, we can look like we have it all figured out, but there's power in sharing vulnerability with yeah. people you trust. Mm -hmm. So the minute I started sharing, even just with my peers in the industry, like they'd be like, oh, so what are you doing now, Lindsay? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but I have an idea of where I'm going and, and then tapping into networking and resources. And here's what I've learned. I said, here's my experience from working with so many people who went through my programs, who came for fitness is the only way they reached their greater potential. Because I would have people say to me all the time, like, Lindsay, you know, exercise, like what I learned from it or what it gave me. I'm a, I'm a better wife. I'm a better boss. I'm a better employee. I sleep better, right? It affects everything. I said, mm -hmm. exercise is like a gateway drug. Exercise is a gateway drug to a feeling that we crave. Mm -hmm. We feel um, unstoppable. We feel energetic. We feel confident. These are all the things that steep into every single part of our life. But what frustrated me by just doing the fitness aspect is that while I could sort of get into the, the, the mental training is I needed a different venue. And so sort of the next chapter is, you know, I was able, you know, to, to help people find their potential through the avenue of physical fitness. What could that look like mm -hmm. if we can also give the strategies, things like creating your time guardrails and energy management and how to be a healthy high performer, not just the high performer who crushes it and then burns out by, you know, throwing out his back or getting sick or having a heart attack. How can you be a healthy high performer, mm. self-awareness? Um, how do you manage yourself and manage others so that you can get, you know, asking the right questions. So these strategy, I'm big on strategy and tactics, not just the motivational fluff. Mm -hmm. It's what are the strategies and tactics? Just like when I give you a fitness program, you know, do 12 reps of this and do it so many days. Like let's build that mental and emotional toughness. Gosh, and can you imagine like when we combine those two um, and that's really sort of the vision. So what I'm doing now is um, I do a lot in the fitness industry. So I'm the editor of a, it's an industry trade magazine, primarily focused on the um, the industry of fitness, the business of fitness, more of the entrepreneurial minded um, fitness professional. Is that a digital magazine as well? It's digital and, and print. And print. Okay. Yeah, we've been, um, it's been in print for 20 years. So oh, it's wow. one of the longest standing. Oh. I've, um, 2011, I became editor. Okay. So that's really, um, you know, gives me a nice platform to keep a finger on the pulse mm. of the industry, um, not just from the trends in fitness, but Holy cow. I mean, look at, it's a multi-billion dollar industry and there's so many um, opportunities. So I'm still passionate about making change there, but what I'm speaking about is really, you know, how do you not only as an independent fitness professional reach your potential, but how do you help your clients reach their potential too? And it's not just the exercise part of it. Yeah. Um, and then I do a lot of corporate speaking, corporate training, um, primarily, you know, a lot of what I do is women's executives group, women's initiative groups, entrepreneurial groups. And um, it's, again, it's that strategy and um, coaching and training 
personal leadership, leadership of others, leadership of your business and life. Um, and it all comes down, like I said, you know, it's like if we can just ask better questions, we get better answers and get better outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds to me that you, you have a business model now that can't just take anyone. Like you have to sort of interview and see if they're a good fit for what yeah. you do. And, and also if they're ready for that stage, because a lot of people think, you know, oh, well, I could just do this and just keep performing. Who cares about my health? Or, you know, they're very health minded, but they're not worried about, you know, keep using the word crushy, but it's like, you know, the, so how do you, what, what is the business model for you as far as taking on new clients? Because I know you said it, uh, you had 2,000 clients um, and it's always growing. But out of the 2,000, how many qualified, yeah. you know, to be someone that you could actually consider helping and knowing that you can get them and give them results? That's a great question. Um, so I think some of the parameters, and I've just, you kind of gauge Sometimes people just aren't ready to hear, um, and, and this is part of my guardrails, is there are things that I can speak about, but you know, I can, we can talk about how to integrate a fitness and health routine in your day, and that's important, and a lot of people you know, still need that. But I'm interested in working with the person who says, you know what, I realize I need to invest time, money, energy in tapping into my own potential because I know something's holding me back. I'm not really sure what it is. Maybe it's the physical part of it. Maybe it's the mental part of it. But I but I see value in, in like trying not to figure it out all on my own. So the person, if you were just to ask me sort of what that person look like yeah. looks like, it's the person who either self-identifies as the high performer or high achiever or just success driven. So they might work in the corporate space, be a leader in the corporate space um, or an entrepreneur. I mean, a lot of, obviously, especially in the fitness industry, that's primarily who I work with is entrepreneurs. But it's um, that person who comes to the point where it's like, okay, you know what? I, I can't figure it out on my own. I need some strategies. I need to sort of stop trying to get off. I got to get off that the, the the hamster wheel and uh, yeah. have somebody look at it. I think that's what people always say. It's like, Lindsay, you know, I, I think I have the ability to look at things above the trees and see where there are gaps and yeah. what things, you, where you want to go, where you are, what are the strategies or just some of the mindset shifts that need to happen to bridge those two. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm also thinking about those certain type of clients that would fit your wheelhouse really well are those high performers that are very confident in their abilities they're very self-aware but still understand the fact that um they need a coach in the corner you know the kevin durant's the lebron james of the world still have coaches Absolutely. right and not just one team coach but you know personal coaches mm -hmm. physical trainers a team of people around them and those are the people that probably work really well with you because they understand, okay, I'm just going to give it my all. And then I'm also, like we said earlier, I'm going to be vulnerable so that I can be open to the change that I may ne will may be necessary for me to get to the next level, right? And it's also Absolutely. about getting to the next level because as high performers, um, we often think like, okay, I'm doing really well. I'm successful. I'm super confident. 
But then there are the things that sort of slap you into reality yeah. and say, hey, <laughs> you can't do it all. And, you know, here's your limitations. And I can be in your corner to help you recognize when that when you're going off the guardrails yeah. or when there are no guardrails set. Absolutely. I think, you know, as a parent and my kids are young, but yeah, I keep using the word potential because for me, it's it, my job as a parent is how can I give the tools, the knowledge, the experiences, the access, if you will, to my children so that they can reach their full potential. Mm -hmm. And you know, and, and I think we kind of get into this place as adults, especially whether, you know, when we get into the workforce and we just tread water. And, you know, if we treaded water from the time we were born, like look at the, you know, we go to kindergarten, we graduate kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> and then we go to grade school and then we graduate grade school. There's a progression. Mm -hmm. But for so many adults, the progression yeah. kind of stops. Yeah. Like through schooling, we're always told like reach your potential. And then right. ath athletics usually happen at the same time. Yeah. So we have coaches, we have teachers, we have parents who are helping mold us or, or trying to steer us in a direction where either they see our potential is or, um, or or just where there may be potential for you. And as adults, we we don't actively do that. And that's where I feel like, like the mentor I told you who asked me one simple question, if possibilities were limitless, what would you be doing? Like, the, do you have people in your corner who are asking you questions you've never thought of asking yourself? for personal development, like just to get the most out of life. Like not, you know, business is one part of it, but if you're not thriving in life, you're not thriving in your business right. and vice versa. Yeah. Um, but having those those coaches that drive, because if, if you're not an athlete, if you're not, a, you know, on a sports team, if you're not or hiring a personal trainer, um, if you're not in an environment or a company culture where you have a manager who's doing that for you and helping elicit your potential, who's doing that for us? I mean, right. it's a good question. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is you, you know, well, for those of us that aren't doing that, we're doing it for ourselves, mm -hmm. right? But there's only so much you can do. Absolutely. Um, alone, you know, working in a silo, working without a team, doing things um, on your own. Yes, you can take yourself to, to higher levels, but it absolutely helps. And I'm speaking through experience, having people in my corner and having people in your corner that are, you know, they don't have to be, you know, out of the stratosphere or, you know, multi levels above you. They could just be someone that's at the same level or just a couple of levels above you that you can sort of pull and extract their experience. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I often surround myself with um, business partners um, that we're growing together mm -hmm. and where, you know, we started out, what's nice is, you know, I have uh, one in particular that we came up together. So as he levels up, I see it and we cheer him on. And as I level up, you know, same thing happens, yeah. but it's nice to get the perspective of someone outside, Absolutely. you know, that didn't see you rise, you know, and is only viewing you as who you Taking are now, you are, you are now. right. Yeah. And saying, you know what? I think you can get to this point or let's 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 peel the layers back yes. to see what's holding you back. Exactly. Um, so I love it. I, I just love that where it all can go, where you know it's 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 literally about you know what everyone out there, Tony Robbins, Gary V, all these guys are always like, you know, um, be your genuine, be your most authentic self. Yes, we can hear that until it becomes white noise. But when you have someone who's on your team that you you vibe with 
and that they genuinely give a crap about you. Yes. And then it becomes this mutual thing where it's like, okay, I see you as a coach, but I'm sure as a coach, you learn a ton from oh, these gosh. people too, it's, right? It's a full give get, you know, it, yeah. it's, and it's interesting, you know, and what I learned as a coach in the different spaces is there's a very fine line between accountability and dependency. And so you want you know, as a, when I was doing fitness and personal training and what most clients come in for is they want accountability. They're yeah. paying you for accountability. So if they didn't show up, I'm calling them and they're going to be there. Well, you know, and it was so interesting when I closed my business, I said, how many of those did accountability almost become a crutch where the only way that they would do that for themselves is if they had to report in, and I'm just, you know, yeah. kind of using light words, right? Whereas really what a coach, mentor, you know, teacher, their goal should be, how can I teach you to do it for yourself? Mm-hmm. Like, how can I, how can I help yeah. you? How can I ask you the right questions yeah. that spark something, that lights something in you so that now you ask those questions of yourself. Right. I mean, in theory, a coach, you should you can you should kind of grow out of coaches and teachers yeah. and, and find the person at that stage in your life who can help spark that so that on the continuum of potential, you're constantly moving along yeah. and never treading water. <clears throat> and and that's why the you know the power of questions is find a coach who asks you the right questions. Yeah, I, I love what you're getting at. And then and then I want to uh, sort of land this bird um, because I don't want to keep you forever, even though I do want to keep you forever. Um, um, so I always appreciated and loved the coaches and mentors on my team that didn't want me around forever. Yeah. Like they genuinely would say and care to push me out of the nest and say, at some point, you know, you're not going to need me. You're going to go beyond me mm-hmm. or I'm going to go in a different direction, but I want to get you to the next level, next lily pad, whatever it is, so that you don't need me and you can start doing for yourself or maybe you could start coaching others. And um, so I love that. I mean, that is exactly the DNA of a great coach and yeah. mentor, you know, someone who isn't for self and wants you to succeed on your own. Absolutely. Um, Give you those tools. Absolutely. So <laughs> I feel, and you, we, we've touched on this earlier that we should probably continue talking and, you know, maybe we'll have our own thing. I just, awesome. there's just, Always, you know, open opportunities are, yeah. are limitless, right? It's just crazy how when you meet people, and it's funny because you and I have been like passing, passing ships in the night. You know, Natalie has always been, big shout out to Natalie, by the way. Yes. Um, she um, has been talking about you to me and me to you, and it's been going on for probably a year. At least, yeah. And finally, we're here. We're together, and I was telling Natalie, she was texting me. She was like, I heard it went well. I was like, eh, it was okay. <laughs> but I was like, no, it's crazy. It was like dynamite. It was like crazy just chemistry and stuff that we just kept talking and talking and talking, and the microphones weren't even on. So um, thank you so much. I want to tell people how they can reach you, what's mm-hmm. the best ways um, that they can just have you enter their life. Sure. 
Um, so on Facebook, my page is Fit for Vast Potential. Um, and that's, I do regular live videos and I love interaction and engagement. So that's a place where I'm at. And speaking of multiple social media streams, yeah. working a little bit more into the Instagram on on LinkedIn um, for a lot more of just sort of the, the written stuff that I write yeah. um, in that space. But um, I, I love, you know, even send me an email, send me a direct message. Yeah. Um, I will, it may not be 24 hours, but it will be within a an acceptable amount of time. Awesome. <laughs> know that I just like to respond with intention. She's and got not, guardrails yeah. up, folks. I've got my guardrails. Respect those so. rails. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I love I love hearing from people, and um, you know, even if there's a resource, or um, I love being the curator of um, in any way that I can of relationships or networks. So if it's not me, there might be you know something else that I might be able to offer. So. Yeah, and that email, if you don't mind me giving it Please, out, yeah, uh, Lindsay at lindsayvistola.com. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I made the mistake of saying Lindsay at Vistola, which was what <laughs> I thought it was, but no, it's Lindsay <laughs> at lindsayvistola.com, and and the. All, all this information will be in the show notes. So if you want to reach out to Lindsay, just jump into the notes and you'll see all the links to her social and her website and her Facebook and all that great stuff. But Lindsay, I can't thank you enough for spending time with me and you know doing this marathon episode. But yeah, uh, folks, thank you so much. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. And uh, please reach out to Lindsay, who um, is changing my life and could literally change yours as well. I'm grateful for you. Thank you for the time and for all you do. That's it for now, folks. If you'd like to stay in touch with the show, you can contact me directly at eric at onairbrands.com. That's eric, E-R-I-K, at onairbrands.com. And if you aren't already subscribed to the show, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, or any other podcast platform. And please recommend us to one or two people in your circle. That will go a long, long way to growing our community. Also, if you could rate us on iTunes, just take a moment uh, to give us five stars. And if they have more stars, give all of them. We'd greatly appreciate you for that. And always, always like, subscribe, and share, share, share this show on social media. We'd love you for that as well. And if you have any ideas or want to hear something on a future show, please hit us up. Maybe you have a question for one of my guests or you want to uh, tell a story, a success story. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can do that, especially if you're on the Anchor platform. You can leave us a voice message. We'd love to incorporate you and your voice on a future episode. Once again, folks, thanks again for listening to the Entrepreneur Circle. Please like, subscribe, and share, share, share. I am Eric Cabral, and as always, remember, your network is your net worth. So get in the circle. Mm